This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Talking about part three of the year I see. If you're with us last weekend, uh, we talked about this whole idea about if I want my life to be different this year, then I'm going to have to do some different things this year, right? We talked about how as we're entering into this new year, many of us are are full of anticipation and we're full of expectation. Maybe you're full of, of excitement as you sit maybe alone or with friends and dream about what this year could possibly look, look like. Man, what could our lives look like at the end of this year? Many of us think hopefully it doesn't look like last year, right? Uh, but if we're honest, we've been at this place before. We've started a year with great expectation. This is why we've centered our conversation for the last two weeks around the idea that if my year is going to be different, I'm going to have to be different. I'm going to have to do some different things. I'm maybe going to have to think some different thoughts, open my mind to some new ideas. I'm going to have to engage in new relationships. I'm going to have to trust God maybe in a way that I haven't trusted him before. And so we talked about if, if, if my life's going to be different this year, I can't just focus on things that I focused on in the past. In other words, I can't buy into the lie or the fantasy that if I make a lot of money this year, then I'll be happy. I can't buy into the fantasy that if I throw myself into another relationship this year, that man, if if that person is is just everything that I dreamed they would be, man, then 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 I'll be happy. What? Because we we've tried that. The whole the whole idea is that we've tried our way. We've done everything that we know to do. We've racked our brains. We've read books. We've had conversations where where people have told us, if you'll just do this, well, then life will get better. But we tried that. Our our way doesn't work so well. So what we're trying to do is we're trying trying to reach maybe for a different way. That's why you showed up to church this morning, believe it or not. Hopefully you didn't show up because you needed something to do at, at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Hopefully, hopefully we have more to do with our lives than that. But, but, but we had this, this idea that there has to be more. And if I show up today, maybe God will do something in my life. Maybe I'll get a fresh thought or a fresh idea or have a fresh conversation that would somehow propel my life to maybe, just maybe, be different. If our lives are going to be different this year, I've kind of been breaking down these two weeks that, that there's going to be two things that I'm really going to have to prioritize. Last week we talked about one of them, and it was this idea of faith. And if, if, uh, Maybe you missed last week. I just encourage you to go onto the podcast, listen. It's, it's a content that I think will really be helpful to you. But we talked about how faith, believing in the possibility that there could be more, it, it starts as a seed. In fact, everything in life starts as a seed. Your dreams, the things that you want to accomplish, it starts with an idea. You don't just wake up at the, at the place that you want to be. Everything in life started as a seed. You started as a seed, Right? We don't need a little sex education this morning, right? You understand. You, it's kind of funny to say sex in church. It's kind of one of those. When I was growing up, they had this thing called, uh, <laughs> my parents, uh, we had this thing, um, and it was called the angel guardian or TV guardian, and you'd plug it into your TV so that whatever you're watching, it would bleep out like the curse words or like inappropriate things. I don't know what happened to those. I guess when, when you get older, it's okay to cuss or something. I didn't, I didn't say that. That's not... Maybe? I don't know. Um, I bring it up because it's really funny because I always used to laugh. Because whenever the word sex would come through the TV, it would say hugs. <laughs> hugs. Have you guys been having hugs? Like, that's like how it... Anyway. So everything starts as a seed in life. Just making sure 
you're awake. Everything starts as a seed. Our faith, this, this idea that this year, if my year, this, my year is going to be different, I'm going to, I'm going to have to prioritize faith. I'm going to have to prioritize the idea of God and Christ and trusting God that, that there's a possibility that my life could turn around. And that's going to start as a seed. And we begin to read this scripture. If, 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 if uh, that, that some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. And if this, this plant right here, um, this, these, these flowers, for those of you that, um, are watching on our, or listening on podcast. I, on the stage, I have a little pot and, um, uh, not like marijuana pot, but just like a little, like a, like a pot. <laughs> okay. It's going to be one of those mornings. Just, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a pot that you put a flower in and, uh, there's a beautiful flower in it, but this flower didn't just end up as a flower. It started as a seed. And if faith is a seed, uh, as much as I would want to, I would have this, this seed and I could take water and I could pour water onto the seed and, and, uh, I, I could put it in the sunlight. But if I just take this seed here on this table and I pour water on the seed, nothing's going to really happen to the seed. Why? Why? Because it's missing something, right? It's, it's, it's missing soil. So if, if faith is the seed, we, we need some sort of soil to be planted in. If our lives are going to flourish this year, if our lives are going to change this year, if something's going to be different this year, if I'm going to press towards the life that I want, if I'm going to prioritize new ideas and new things so that I can have the life that I ultimately ultimately want, I'm going to have to have more than just faith. And that's why I want to talk about the second idea, because the soil of our lives is this. Yes, last week we talked about faith. This week I want to talk about family. What am I talking about family? I'm talking about relationships. The level of growth that you experience in your life will be dependent upon the people you surround yourself with. I decide in my life, I am a seed in, in the soil in which I plant my life. The relationships in which I plant my life will determine where I go in life. This is why we all have heard, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Why? Because we become like the people that we hang around. We know this. We don't need to read the Bible to know that you become like the people that you hang around. And as much as we know this, if our lives are going to change, we got to do more than just know this. I have to prioritize that the people that I surround my life with, the people that I surround my dreams with, they matter. And in this week, I'm using the word family intentionally because I, because, because there's, there's, it's different when it's family. There's a stronger bond when it's family. Some of you think, well, I gotta got the family thing figured out. Some of you may think to yourself, I don't even have any family, but I'm talking about the bond. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about the people that you allow your life to be surrounded with. If I'm gonna prioritize relationships in my life, there are things that I'm gonna have to do. And so last week, we talked about the idea of faith. We read a scripture and we pulled out different things that we can do practically to help us prioritize faith. Today, I wanna read the same story and I want to pull out four different central ideas that we can apply to our lives that will help us prioritize family relationships. Okay, everybody with me? Okay, so let's read our text in the book of uh, Matthew. It says this, as he finished saying this, uh, Jesus speaking, a local, fish, a, a local official appeared. He bowed politely and he said, my daughter has just now died. But I believe this man in a place of desperation says, I believe if you come and you touch her, I believe that she will live. Jesus got up and he went with him, his disciples following along. But just then, as they're on their way to raise this man's daughter from the dead, just then a woman who had hemorrhaged for 12 years slipped in from behind and lightly touched his robe. 
She's thinking to herself, if I can just put a finger on his robe, I believe that I'll get well. So Jesus turns, he catches this woman, and then he reassures her. He says, courage, daughter, you, you took a risk of faith, and now you are well. The woman, the woman was well from then on. By now, they had arrived at the house of the town official. So he heals this woman. They continue on their journey. They arrive at the house of the town official, and they push their way through the gossips looking for a story and the neighbors bringing in casseroles. Jesus was abrupt, clear out. This girl is not dead. She is sleeping. They told him he he didn't know what he was talking about. But when Jesus had gotten rid of the crowd, he went in, he took the girl's hand and he pulled her to to her feet alive. Uh, The news was soon out and traveled throughout the region. What a great story of faith. And I believe we're going to see today that it's also a great story of family. If we're going to prioritize family, our relationships in our lives this year so that our lives can change and be different, there's four things that I I think we've got to prioritize. And I'm going to start them all with, with a word really intentionally. I'm going to start them with the word push. I'm going to have to push myself to do some things. Why am I using the word push? Because it's going to take effort. It's going to be something that when you hear, it's probably not going to be something that we naturally do or we wouldn't have to talk about. It's going to take effort. I'm going to have to push myself. And we see the first one uh, right right here in, in, in verse 20. Just then a woman who had hemorrhaged for 12 years slipped in from behind and lightly touched his robe. She's thinking to herself, if I can put a finger on his robe, then I'll get well. Jesus turns, catches her at it, and he reassures her, courage, daughter, you took the risk of faith, and now you're well. The woman was well from then on. As we talked about the story last week, We talked about how this man must have felt getting his miracle interrupted. We talked about the emotions that he must have been navigating through. Trusting God, stepping out in faith, and they're on their way to raise his daughter from the dead. And in comes this woman. We talked about how, did he feel discouraged? Did he question God? Was was he afraid? We talked about all those things, but the reality of those things is that's, we only say that because that's probably how we feel. We actually don't know how the man felt. Why? Because he doesn't say anything. The man doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, Jesus, what about me? Jesus, we're on our way to to get my daughter raised from the dead. He doesn't say anything. And if he didn't say anything, the only other option that leads me to believe that maybe this man, maybe he was just listening. If I'm going to prioritize relationships, family in my life, I'm going to have to push myself to listen. Have you ever realized how much in life we just don't listen? I've really, in in my own life, man, this is something that I've been wrestling with for for the past couple months, how much I really, I'm really not a good listener. I have a lot of what I think conversations, but most of the time when other people are talking, I'm thinking about the next thing that I'm going to say back to them in the conversation. I'm really not listening I'm really preparing myself for what I'm going to say next. I've been challenging myself that, that in conversations, determining that, okay, I'm, go, I'm actually going to fight to let someone make their complete thought before I even think about what I'm going to say next. Challenge you to do that. It makes for some awkward conversations, some dead silence. But if I'm going to prioritize relationships, I have to challenge myself to be a better listener. Why? Because when you listen, you gain a new perspective. You gain a new perspective. What is, what is, you know, listening is actually like one of the greatest forms of humility because you know what I'm doing when I'm listening, I'm communicating to the person non-verbally that I'm having a conversation with that I do not know everything. 
If I have the fortitude within myself to just sit and just listen and to take on your point of view and to, and to rationalize and intellectualize and, and hear what you have to say, you know what I'm doing? I'm actually taking a Christ-like posture of humility because I'm communicating to you non-verbally. I don't, I don't know it all and I don't profess to know it all. And I'm not trying to just to get you to see it my way. If I want to prioritize relationships, if I want my life to be different, i got to be a better listener. Because when you listen, you gain a different perspective. As this man is listening to this woman's story, I could only imagine what begins to go through his mind. This woman, 12 years with a sickness? 12 years, year after year after year. I mean, 12 minutes with a stuffy nose, and I feel like it's the end of the world, right? 12 years of a sickness that you can't get, get, can't get rid of? A, 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 a disease, and, and not just that. This is not just like an, an ailment that she struggled with for 12 years. It has repercussions in her life. It doesn't just change the way that she feels about herself. It changes the way that people feel about her. You see, in the society that she lived in, the people that she was surrounded, surrounded by under Levitical law, she was deemed unclean by their society, which means that for 12 years, no one would go near her. No one would touch her. No one would interact with her because not only was she unclean, but if anybody else touched her, they also would become unclean. It went so far that not just if you touched her, but if you touched anything that she touched, then you and your own life would be unclean. Could you imagine 12 years without physical touch? 12 years without the embrace of a friend? Somebody being able to pat you on the back and tell you, hey, it's okay. You're going to make it 12 years. And as this man is listening, he begins to hear her story that she's walked this journey for 12 years and had no interaction, physical touch from another human being. Not only that, but, but as you begin to dig into her story more, if you're, if you're anything like me, you, you immediately begin to prejudge. And as you hear the story of this woman, you begin to think to yourself and you see her almost as like a street side beggar, somebody who, 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 uh, somebody who does not have a lot. She was somebody by society would not be, be esteemed that, that, that she's just, she's somebody that just doesn't want to work for the things that she have. We start in our minds to prejudge, but, but could this really have been the case as this man listens to her story? Another, uh, another scripture, another, uh, book of the Bible that kind of recounts the same story. It says that for these 12 years, she sought many things from many physicians. In other words, for these 12 years, she's been seeing doctor after doctor after doctor. And what they've been doing is they've been chaining her along, telling her that maybe we can fix her issue, but none of them have been able to fix it. What's crazy is that you listen, as you actually listen to the text and you begin to think about this, how, if she really is this poor beggar woman, how does she, and what doctor in his right mind is going to uh, risk his practice to have interaction with this woman? I mean, if he touches her, if he treats her, what is he going to do? He in himself becomes unclean. What doctor is going to do this? Unless, unless maybe she's not as poor as we think, unless there's incentive. Unless maybe does the woman have money? But if she has money, how does she have money? Because she can't work. She can, she, 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 there, there, there's no interaction. She has this, this, de- this disease and this sickness. She, she, there's no way that she, she could work. So it leads me to, as I'm listening, to, to say, does she come from money? Is she married to someone with, with money? Is she also, did she used to be someone who's important in their society just like this man? As this man listens, does he come to a conclusion that I pray to God so many of us come to the same conclusion today that the people that we struggle to embrace in our life because they're not like us, they're actually just like us. They're actually just like us. You see, because on this day, 
It wasn't their money that brought them together. It wasn't their fame that brought them together. It wasn't their ability to intellectualize and to reason to brought them to, that brought them together. It was their brokenness that brought them together. In our lives, in this society, these people, when we look around at people, and man, we're so quick to judge, and we're so quick to point fingers, and we're so quick to just be comfortable with our circles. we got to be better listeners, because when you listen, you gain a sense of compassion, and you realize there is no them and us. It's just us. There is no them and us. It's just us. It's not our money that brings us together. It's not our interest that brings us together. It's not our personality profile that brings us together. It is our brokenness. It is our issue that puts us in the family of humanity. It puts us in the family of humanity. When you look and you see hurting people, those are not just hurting people. Those are your brothers and those are your sisters. It puts us in the family of humanity and everything is different in family. When someone's in your family, you have a whole lot more compassion for their issue. You can point your finger and you can judge an outsider, but when it's in the family, I hate those people. I don't know about those people. I just don't understand those people until you realize you are those people, right? I just don't understand people that do drugs, man. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think we should take everybody that does drugs and we should put them in jail until little Timmy does a little bit of drugs on the side, right? Right? And then we change our tune. Oh, but he, did, he didn't mean it, right? Come on, don't act like you've never done it. Like we, our tune changes. Why? Because we find compassion when it's in the family. What if we could learn that it is not even just our religion and our faith that makes us family. It is fact, the fact that we are all broken and a part of humanity that makes us brothers and sisters. What if we could learn to listen and hear, hear somebody else's story so that we could gain a sense of compassion that you are just like me and your issue is no greater than my issue. I may be able to hide my issue and your issue may be on display for the world to see, but we're all the same. We're all the same. What brought them together was in that moment, they both needed a savior. What brings us together on this day at every single campus is not that we held our heads, heads high and acted like everything was okay. The thing that brings you and the thing that brings me together is the fact that today in this moment, we all, we need a savior. There is no us in them. It's just us. It's just us. If I'm going to prioritize family, I, I have to push myself. I have to push myself before I point an accusing finger to listen. In my family, I've, I've seen it in my family. In the past couple of years, uh, I come from, uh, my family is a lineage of, of pastors and preachers and teachers and and in my family, in the past couple of years, uh, one of my cousins came out as transgender to our family. And uh, he, now she, stepped out and, and kind of made this declaration to our family. And I have to be honest with you, I was concerned about how the family would respond. I was concerned about how the family would respond because I, I, I knew the family and I knew their background. and I knew the way that they were taught. And I knew that they probably weren't going to be super sensitive to the situation. And I knew that maybe uh, from, from a... Uh, just, just an intellectual standing that they didn't necessarily agree with this decision. 
And I wondered how they responded. You know how they responded? With the greatest love and action that I have ever seen in my life. As they looked at my cousin and told her that you are still a part of our family and we still love you and don't you dare pull back. We love you. You're one of us. You're one of us. Nothing changes. You see, in this world, our our hatred is not going to bring us together. Us trying to prove our point is not going to bring us together. Please, please, hear, please hear me. Like, really, I, I say this with all sensitivity. One thing I appreciate about my family is even as they took that stance of love and acceptance, you know why they did? Because they had enough good sense to know that even if, and I hope we all buy into this today, that even if the thing that they see as an issue, even if it was really an issue, they would still have no moral authority to cast judgment because they have issues themselves. They have issues themselves. Our job in life is not to point out the flaws of one another. Our job in life is to wrap our arms around each other and to be better listeners and gain compassion and realize that we are all in the same family. There is no us and there is no them. It's just us. If we hurt, we hurt together. If we're broken, we're broken together. If we need encouragement, we need encouragement together. There's no us and them. It's just us together. It's just us together. I'm going to have to push myself to be a better listener. I'm going to have to push myself to be a better Listener, when I listen, I gain compassion. It's impossible to hate someone whose story you know. So before I point an accusing finger, right? Before before I decide my opinion on on uh, social movements like Me Too and Black Lives Matter, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen and realize that the people that are hurting, they are my brothers and sisters. And that they need encouragement and they need love and they need acceptance and we need a heck of a whole lot more conversation. Less finger pointing and more listening. Less finger pointing and more listening. It's a good place to say amen and just go crazy and clap. Less finger pointing and more listening. More compassion. That's why Jesus came. Jesus did away with the us and them complex. He who knew no sin became sin. It's not us and them, it's us. It's us. I'm going to push myself to listen. Second thing, if I'm going to prioritize relationship, I'm going to have to push myself to be vulnerable. Push myself to be vulnerable. We talked about this idea of vulnerability before. Uh, I think in a series we did called Rideshare. I think it was part two. If maybe you're interested in hearing more on this, I encourage you to go catch that podcast of why it's so hard for us to be vulnerable. But just real quick, if I'm going to prioritize relationships, I'm going to have to push, my, push myself to be vulnerable. Uh, right here in Matthew chapter 9, it says it like this. A local official appeared, bowed politely, and he said, my daughter has just now died. If you come and touch her, she will live. A local official appeared. We see that this man in the society is somebody who is highly esteemed. He's a local official. In other words, most people probably look at this man and think that he doesn't have any problems. So this man, what he has to do is in order for him to experience his miracle, in order for him to have the life that he really desires, he has to place himself in a place, a position of vulnerability. He has to be willing to admit that I have a problem, that I need help, that I'm not perfect, that my life, my little glass house, it's not as perfect as 
It seems I have to be willing. And here's what vulnerability is, just a simple definition. Vulnerability is simply being willing to show my humanity, to allow the people around me to know that I bleed too. And this is difficult in the society that we live in. We live in a picture-perfect society. This is what we try to portray, right? Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We, we, We don't post stuff that makes us look bad. We post stuff that makes us look extra good, right? Why? Because we we want to somehow, even subconsciously, portray to the people around us that I've got it all together. But if I'm going to prioritize relationships, if they're going to be able to do their work so that I can have the life that I desire, I'm going to have to be willing to take a step to push myself. Push. It's going to take effort. I'm going to have to push myself to be vulnerable. Brene Brown says it like this, one of my favorite authors. She says, vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. It's having the courage to be seen when we have no control over the outcome. This is what the man does when he comes to Jesus. He does not know that Jesus is going to bring his daughter back to life. He just has the courage to be seen as is. He has the courage to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need help. I don't know if Jesus is going to help me. I don't know if he's going to come and raise my daughter, but I have to place myself in a position of vulnerability when it comes to our relationships, the people around us. Man, if if we're going to thrive this year, if things are going to be different this year, it doesn't matter how much we've been hurt and we've been wounded. We're going to have to have the courage to show up and be seen, even though when we know we cannot control the outcome. There's something about vulnerability that gives strength to your soul. It refreshes your soul. There are times, the times that I have, I have gained the most from my own biological father, if I'm honest, are the times that he has shown his humanity, the times that he's been vulnerable with me. And I'm ta- not talking about a tell-all. I'm not talking about, hey, sweet, let me tell you about the girl that grandma used to be. Like, don't do that. Like, no one wants to know about the girl that grandma used to be, okay? <laughs> I'm just talking about being willing to show my humanity. Well, my dad tells me, man, there's times that being a dad that I was tired and I struggled and I didn't feel like I was the the best father or the best husband, when he tells, tells me those things, you know what it does? It just recharges my soul. Why? Because I realize that I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who's gone through it. That's what vulnerability does when I'm willing to take that risk. Sometimes it's not even for you. It brings healing to the people around you. This is why I'm planted in relationships because it's through our relationships that we really truly grow. It's through vulnerability that we really truly grow. And it's not always just sharing your dirt or the uglies in your life. Sometimes it's having the courage to show up first and say, I love you, or I appreciate you, or I'm so thankful for you, or you've made a difference in my life. In our society, we wait till people are dead and gone to celebrate them at their funerals that they they can't hear. They don't know. Man, what if we in our lives, we could have the courage and the vulnerability to tell people that they matter? Why? Because it refreshes your soul. Man, I, I, I I don't know about in your life. But the, but the times that I've received encouragement, people have no idea. People have no idea what that's meant to me. I have a, a friend of mine. His dad's like this. And, and since the summer, I, I was around him a little bit in the summer, and I just, I just began telling him, I want to be like this. Like, you'll be talking about something mid-conversation. It's almost awkward. Like, I watched him do it. We'll be talking about, like, football or something, and then he'll just, like, stop and be like, hey. He'll be like, what? He'll be like, I love you. And then you're kind of like, love you too. Like, it's kind of, like, awkward a little bit. Saw, I saw him recently, and the same kind of thing, or watching sports or something. He said, hey, Nick. I said, what? He said, I'm really glad that you're here. 
just stopped and just, just, what is that vulnerability? What is that? It recharges my soul. It recharges your soul. If I'm going to prioritize relationships, I'm going to have to push myself to be vulnerable. Here's, here's kind of the closing statement about vulnerability. A non-vulnerable life will make you feel like you're strong. Okay, hear that. A non-vulnerable life will make you feel like you're strong because you're doing it all yourself. I don't need nobody. It's just me and myself. I'm going to conquer this life. It'll make you feel like you're strong, but it will always leave you weak because you'll feel alone. You'll feel isolated. On the flip side of that coin, a vulnerable life will make you feel like you're weak because I'm having to ask for help because I don't know how they'll respond. I don't know if they'll welcome me. I don't know if they'll reject me. It'll make me feel like I'm weak, but it'll always leave you strong. A vulnerable life is better than a non-vulnerable life. I'm going to have to push myself. (laughs) If I'm going to prioritize relationships, I'm going to have to push myself to be a better listener. I'm going to have to push myself, man, to be vulnerable. Next one is this, number three, I have to push through people. What? I thought I got to welcome and listen and love. Yeah, I do. But there's also going to be people that I have to push through. There's going to be people on the way to where you're going that are going to try to keep you from where it is that you're going. We see this here in, in, in the scripture. By now, when they had arrived at the house of the town official, they pushed their way through the gossips looking for a story and the neighbors bringing in casseroles. They pushed their way through the gossips looking for a story and the neighbors bringing in casseroles. There's going to be people along your journey to the person that you want to be, towards the life that you want to have, towards the family that you want to have, towards the occupational life that you want to have. There's going to be voices and noise and people that you're going to have to push through. And as much as I'd love to tell you that we could just get rid of them, because that sounds like a better idea. Why don't we just get rid of those people? No, you're going to have to push through those people because they're always going to be there. And here's the first group of people. It's the gossips looking for the story. There's always going to be gossips looking for a story. In other words, as you start out on this, this life that God has for you, this best life, this life that you have, people that used to champion you and cheer for you now are going to persecute you. There's going to be people that they want to know your struggle, but they don't care about your struggle. They just want to know about your struggle so they can feel better about their lives or tell other people about what's going on in your life. This is, this is if we're honest, this is the world that we live in. This, we, we, we thrive off of, did you see on social media what so-and-so did? What is this? This is gossips looking for a story. And on your way to where you're going, there's always going to be people that are looking for a story. There's always going to be people that talk mess. These are pot stirs. These are people on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter that just want to talk you down. They want to kick you when you're down. You're not going to get rid of them. You're going to have to push through them. You're going to have to push through the noise. You're going to have to keep your eyes on the prize. Trust God. And there's going to be people that you have to push through. There's going to be people that you have to push through. There's going to be noise that you have to push through. Talk about how great it would be to get rid of those people. But if we're honest, probably in the last couple months, we've probably at some point been those people. Hello, right? Right? You probably in the last couple months said something you shouldn't have about something. So what is the best response to people looking for a story? Gossip's looking for a story. If you can't keep the gossips to look for a story, then just keep yourself from looking for a story. Right? Refuse to get caught in the trap of talking people down. Use your mouth. Use your words to lift people up. And when you hear gossip, I love this quote by Edgar Allan Poe. He says, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. What a great rule of thumb. 
that in your life, well, I heard what so-and-so did and I have proof. They say that they have proof. Can you believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see? In other words, if, if what you heard about somebody really is true, what does that have to do with your journey? What does that have to do with where God is calling you? What does that have to do with the person that you want to be in, the family that you want to have? It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. Don't get into the trap. Don't give into the trap. Don't give into the trap. There's people that you got to push through. Push through the noise. People who used to celebrate you, used to encourage you to get into the gym and maybe lose some weight so that you can be healthier. And then you started doing it and it was like, man, you just, you think that you're better than us now. What are these gossips looking for? Don't give into it. Push through the noise. In the words of the great Taylor Swift, people throw rocks at things that shine. Okay? In your life, you're not going to get rid of it. I'm serious. You're not going to get rid of it. You're going to have to push through the noise. The second group of people are the neighbors bringing in casseroles. The gossip's looking for a story, and then the neighbor's bringing in casseroles. Neighbor's bringing in casseroles. In other words, there's going to be people in your life that they mean well, but they're not going to get you to where you're going. There's going to be people in your life that, man, no harm, no foul, but they're not going to get you to where you're going. And if, this is, if you do casseroles and bake people food, you keep doing you. Like, you keep doing that. Like, that's not about that. What I'm communicating is there's people in your life that in times of your life, they're going to try to keep you eating when you should be working. In other words, there's going to be times that people want you to play it safe and stay comfortable, to settle for what is, to settle for the situation that you've been given instead of the situation that God has promised, to settle for the fact that your daughter is dead when Jesus wants to come to your house and raise her back from the dead. There's always going to be people bringing in casseroles in your life. In other words, these people, a lot of times they're your family. They say things like, man, just don't do that. Like things are good. We've got a good thing going here. Like don't, you don't got to press for, for your dreams. Why don't you just keep working for the family business and just keep doing what we're doing? There's nothing wrong with this life. They're always going to get, try to get you to settle. You got to push through them. You got to push for greatness. You got to be the, be the person that God has called you to be that dream on side of your heart. You got to push for it. In order to push for it, there's going to be people that you have to push through. And they're awesome people. We love those people. We need those people. Those people comfort us. And they, and, they, and they make us feel better when we're going through tough situations. But there's going to be seasons in your life that you're going to have to not play it safe. You're going to have to push through the comfort. That you're going to have to push through people to trust God and see the things that you have seen dead in your life be resurrected. You can't sit at a table and eat when God has called you to dream. You can't sit at a table and be comfortable when God has called you for more. There's got to be people that you got to push through. Push through the noise. And then the last one, number four, there's going to be people that you got to push out. Push through people, push people out. In other words, you can't control the people that are outside of your house. But you can control the people that you've let inside your house. We see this right here in, in, in the scripture. Uh, the girl isn't dead. She's sleeping. They told him, the girl isn't dead, he's sleeping. They told him he didn't know what he was talking about. But when Jesus had gotten rid of the crowd, he went in. Another account of the story says it like this. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? Jesus says, Jesus. He says, the child is not dead, just sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. My question to you today is who is with you? When you look at the people around you, who is with you? Because there's people who have been in your life for a season that it's time to put out. 
Just like nothing in life lasts forever, there are going to be relationships in your life that are seasonal. My grandmother taught me this, this, this kind of like principle. She said, in life, you have to know when to let go of relationships. Because if you don't, the great fruit of what was will spoil. In other words, your relationships are like a tree, are like a flower that blossoms. And when it blossoms, there's great fruit. Man, it accomplished its purpose in your life, but so much of the time we love that and we want to hold on to it. I want it to stay. I want it to be like the good old days. I want it to be like it's always been. You've got to learn the art of letting go. Because if you fight to hold on, you know what happens to fruit that stays on the vine too long? It spoils. And if you don't let go, all you're going to have is marred memories of what was, and it will never be the same. All you'll have is hurt and bitterness and anguish. In your life, you have to know that there's going to be seasons, people that you got to put out, people that used to be for you. They can't go. They can't go with you to where that you're going because they're not for you anymore. They used to be in your corner. They used to be with you. But now they just, man, they're discouraging. They laugh at where you say you want to be. Some of you in here are in abusive relationships and it's time to get out. Some of you have tolerated it year after year after year. That is not, hear me, Madera and Fresno, that is not God's best for your life. you got to put people out. Relationships. Here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you today is that you would find courage, that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God would give you the courage today to cut yourself from harmful relationships in your life. People that, man, they may even be family members. And it's like, man, but they're, but they're family. If they're, if they're in your house and they're not going where you're going, you got to get them out. Do you want your life to be good? Do you want your life to be the life that you can dream of? Then you're going to have to prioritize this. You're going to have to be willing to push people out who's with you. There's somebody with you. So much of the time I've looked at friends that I've wanted to have and I've missed the opportunities, the people that God had placed in my life for that season. I looked around, I'd love to be friends with them, but what if I was friends with them and I missed the people that are actually with me? In your life, look around. Wake up, lift your head, who's with you? Who's the person that believes in you and encourages you and challenges you to chase your dreams? Challenges you to be everything that you were meant to be? Challenges you to be the person that God has called you to be who's with you? In my life, I've seen this. Some of my friends, when I look at my friend circle, I mean... They're like some of the least likely like candidates of what you what I would think that I would be be friends with. But these are people that are with me. We walk through storms together, walk through hell together. I can remember times in my life looking at my friends when we're, we're in situations that we never thought we'd be, looking death in the face. I remember one of my friends, his, his stepdad passed away, and we were one of the first people to get the phone call. We rushed to the house. We go into the room, and there's this dead, dead stepdad laying there on the bed. I remember with tears in our eyes, me looking at him and saying, what do you want to do? Because I want you to know that I'm with you. I'm with you. Do you have people in your life that are with you? As we continued that journey of friendship, there's been times in my life where I found myself, man, on the verge of quitting, giving up. Feeling like because of the cards that I had been dealt or things were not happening like I wanted them to happen, jumping ship, and he'd be like, dude, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that you're making the right decision, but I want you to know that I love you and I want you to know that I'm with you. Who's with you? Who's with you? Who's with you? We've got to be willing to make tough decisions. We've got to be willing to push people out. 
the reason, real reason, I've used the word push all morning because there's, there's, there's actually intentionality in this word push. Because before new life happens, there's, there's all, before new life happens, there's always a, a push. You see, through vows, you can become a couple, but to become a family, somebody's got to push. Before a baby's born into the world, somebody's got to, to push. In your life, if you want to be everything that God has designed you to be, if you want your life to get better and better and better, man, we're going to have to push. My question today to you is, what is your push? What is your push? We all, for me, I mean, I got to push to listen. I, I'm just, this is just my world right now. Like, I, I, I got I to gotta be a better listener so that I can be more compassionate, so that I can be more like Jesus, so I can do away with this arrogant complex that life is about them and us. It's not. It's not. This is the reason that Jesus came to this earth. He who knew no sin became sin. In other words, it's not just us and him. It's just, it's just us. He put himself on our level. That's what we're called to do. I got to be a better listener. What's your push? You got to push to be vulnerable. You always try to act strong and do things on your own. You always try to live it safe and play it comfortable. What's your push? You got to push through people. Are you going through a season of your life where people are just talking about you? They talk about me too. You got to push through it. You got to push through it. Don't allow yourself to be paralyzed by the words of those around you. You are made for so much more. You are made for so much more. Push through the noise. Push through the thing in life that wants you to play it safe and be comfortable. What's your push? Is there people in your circle that you need to push out? Then maybe, maybe that relationship has just run its course. It's the end of that season. You, you gotta know when to let go. One of the biggest mistakes of my life is trying to hold on to relationships. That really their season had passed. They had accomplished what they were supposed to do in my life. Everybody has a will. Why don't relationships last forever? Just kind of help you. Why don't relationships last forever? Because it would be nice if we could all just grow together. But we grow at different rates and people have wills and they make decisions just like you make decisions. And sometimes those decisions put you on different pages. And that's just the way that life goes. You can't control those people. They can't control you. All you can do is control the decisions that you make in your life. Got to be willing. Some of you, you got to be willing. This is like, this is a big deal for you today. You, if you want your life to be different this year, you're going to have to make a push. You're going to have to shut off the voices of negativity. You're going to have to shut off the voices of negativity. People that always badmouth you and talk you down, you tolerate it. Stop it. People that whenever you pick up the phone, they're always telling you, did you hear about what so-and-so, somebody told me the other day, I ran into him at the store and they were telling me, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm on my course, I'm on my path, and step by step I'm trusting God so that I can have the life that he has designed for me to have, so that I can live the John 10, 10 life, a life that is good till it overflows, a better life than I've ever dreamed. What's your push? What's your push? Let's stand together at all of our campuses. Let's just close our eyes. God, I ask that you would do something special in the remaining moments of our time together that you would just maybe uh, impress upon our hearts what our push is. The thing that maybe you're just moving us to. If we're going to have a different life as we prioritize faith and family, God, that you would show us, show us what, what our push is. God, we want this year to be different. We want this year, we want to grow in favor this year. God, we want our relationships to be restored this year. God, we want to hope again and dream again and live great lives this year. 
God, we're willing to make the moves. Would you speak to our hearts? God, right now, would you give some people courage to leave abusive relationships today? Would you give some people the courage by the Holy Spirit and inward courage that they've never had before to leave abusive relationships today? It's not God's best for you. God does not want that for you. I give you permission today. We give you permission today to embrace the life that God has called you to live. Holy Spirit, do a work. I'm not going to lose my sight. I'm not going to lose my fight. Because you have so much more. Can you make it as a faith declaration? I'm not going to lose my sight. I'm not going to lose my fight. Come on, you lift your voice and you sing it with me. Because you Whatever so your situation is, more. I'm not going to lose my sight. Not gonna lose my sight. And I won't be distracted by other people's journey. Not gonna lose my fight. I'm comfortable and confident in the place that you have me today. Because you have so much more. I'm not going to lose my sight. I'm not going to lose my fight. Because you have some of you at, at our campuses today, I just kind of feel led to say this by, by the Spirit of God. You're in a season of your life where you're kind of frustrated with the process because you look at people around you and you're comparing your journey to their journey. And it causes great discomfort in your soul when you lay your pillow on the head, on, on your, on, when you lay your head down at night, you get very agitated and irritated and you're constantly seeing other people and where their lives are at and how your life isn't there. God's got you right where he's wants you, where he, where he wants you. He's not done with you. He's working on, he's working on something. Learn to be comfortable at the place that you're in and the process he has you. Don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged. Stop seeing people as the problem. If you keep seeing those people as a problem, if you keep wishing for the life that they have, you're eventually going to hate those people. So I just speak an encouragement over you and into your soul. I speak fresh winds into your soul that you would be refreshed today to know that God has you right here. He's okay with your problem. He's okay with where you're at today. He's not. Why are you frustrated? He's not frustrated with you. God's not frustrated with you. He's not, he's not surprised by where you're at in this journey. He knows you by name. God knows you by name. And he's for you. And he loves you. And you are enough. Hear that today. You are enough. And it's not the things that you achieve or the house that you have that makes you enough. It's not how many followers you have on Twitter or Instagram that makes you enough. You're enough because he said you're enough. You're enough because he said you're enough. I will stand till I hold in my hands the things that you said I could have until I hold in my hands. Come on, let's sing it again. I will stand. I'll keep believing. And I will stand until I hold in my hands the things that you said I could have till I hold
still I hold in my hand. If you're at one of our campuses, you've never made the greatest decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to give you that opportunity today. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, securing your forever, your eternity in heaven. But not just that, man, you're beginning your journey of a better life here on earth. I don't have to talk you into it. I know your heart probably already compels you, and we're family. So nobody's going to pray alone. At all of our campuses, Clovis, Madera, Fresno, can we pray this prayer together? Let's pray it and mean it. Even if you prayed it before, say this. Say, Jesus, today I believe in my heart and I say out of my mouth that you are the Son of God. I believe that you live for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you came back from the dead for me. Today I call you my Savior. And I make you my Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. We celebrate that decision with you. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.